Welcome to the second episode of African Media Thermometer. I'm Paul McNally. This is a four-part podcast series taking the temperature of the media industry and health reporting in Africa, particularly during the time of COVID-19. This show is brought to you by Cast Media Africa and produced by Volume. Cast Media Africa is the media program for Sub-Sahara Africa for the German Konrad Adenauer Stiftung. And over these four episodes, we'll be speaking to some of the top journalists and editors across Africa, mainly on how they are still able to do their jobs during COVID-19. What has happened since the advent of COVID was that our storytelling, as well as the way we finance our journalism, has come under severe stress. So it's an extremely uncertain time. It's very unpredictable time. News independent journalism is more crucial now than ever. Now when people need information, now when people need in-depth reporting, when people need contextualization of their news. Media business models are taking strain during the pandemic. From decimated ad revenue to harder working conditions... But there's also some innovations that are rising out from all of this. In this episode, we talk to the people in our newsrooms and how they are facing a crisis every day, but then also how they're learning to overcome them. Before we get into what is happening now and solutions that may be possible, it's important to say that the media industry being under pressure is not something new. In terms of the challenges that we as journalists in Uganda are facing, in light of COVID-19, I think that there is a big challenge in respect of the media economics landscape in Uganda and indeed Africa as a continent. This is Ivan Okuda, a freelance investigative journalist with the Nation Media Group in Uganda. He was also a CAS Media Africa scholar. This is when he did his master's on the rise of philanthropic funding in investigative journalism in Africa. He is talking to us via a WhatsApp voice note. That's how we compile the show with voice notes. As you know, over the last 10 years, the media economics landscape uh, across the world has really been going through a turbulent time. And that means the mass media commercial model that is heavily reliant on advertising has been taking a big hit, especially from the internet. And so poorer nations like Uganda and the media systems in countries like ours, have certainly not been spared and and possibly have been hit a little harder. The pandemic made all of this so much worse. And so during COVID-19, particularly because of the challenges that the economy and indeed economies across the world have been going through, advertising spend has gone down. Ivan says this added pressure is having an emotional and financial influence on newsrooms and media organisations. You have... Colleagues were demoralized, both editors and reporters. Now you have intense conversations happening at management level of different media companies about how to reduce the cost of production. And reduction of the cost of production means that some people will be losing their jobs. So it's an extremely uncertain time. It's very unpredictable time. This isn't just a Ugandan problem in case you thought it was. In Nigeria, the economy has been under huge strain and was even before the pandemic. Here is Dapo Alaranyomi, 
the publisher at the investigative news platform Premium Times, based in Abuja in Nigeria. What has happened since the advent of COVID was that our news, uh, our storytelling, as well as the way we finance our journalism has come under severe stress. And we are lucky. We are an investigative newspaper which has established a name over time and has built resources through database and all that. And that's really just helped us. But without doubt that we we face severe stress at this period. Even established media platforms like the Premium Times are cash-strapped during COVID-19. Income streams like training, events, and book publishing have suddenly become impossible. But the biggest loss of revenue is from advertising. These companies that usually place adverts are also suffering, so they can't afford to advertise. Many businesses were cutting back on advertising. The most readily available classified totally just vanished in almost in a second. And um, with, with this pressure on advertising, how to finance journalism became a major problem for, for us. And just to say that between 37 and 40% of our own revenue really comes from advertising. So that's really a major problem. Thankfully, Dapo's team had been thinking ahead, even before the pandemic. For example, they didn't want to rely too heavily on government advertising. I guess we were a little bit lucky with this because we had reasoned very quickly, I will say, early in the day that we really have to diversify uh, revenue, otherwise uh, it would be a problem. The premium time strategy for this year had been to invest in innovation and plan for uncertainty. And the pandemic made this strategy even more of a necessity. So I will say that we have faced uh, severe stress uh, with regards to financing uh, journalism. But then I think luckily in this regard, it's also that we have had to resort to the philanthropy given that we've uh, had. And most lately that we have started a membership and donations uh, program to finance our journalism. They were able to use some of their existing grants with a little more flexibility. And the membership program allowed for new audiences, not just income. I mean, we were a little bit slow and lukewarm into our membership program. But now that has become one of the biggest investments that we're making. We're pushing very, very hard on it. Uh, We have a very clear view that we need to work with um, an exact number of membership support from our diaspora. The Nigerian diaspora had always been one of the biggest source of uh, revenue making. Actually, it's the second largest uh, uh, revenue after oil into the national Nigerian national economy. So we've had to lean in this direction and uh, speak more to their Uh, journalistic needs. Unfortunately, dwindling advertising is hitting a lot of newsrooms, especially those already in tough circumstances. In Niger, 
a state in the Sahel region bordering on the Sahara Desert. Musa Aksa is facing this on top of ongoing and increased security concerns. Musa Aksar is the publishing director of the bi-weekly publication 11 Mar in Niger. He's also a consultant on the security issues in the Sahel and an investigative journalist. The challenges his organization has encountered in dealing with COVID-19 have been enormous. The main challenge is advertising, and with the lockdown, they were forced to reduce their production, which affected their circulation. Musa had to make some difficult decisions to cut costs. The solution was to restructure, starting with retrenching the staff and migrating to digital. But the issue is that they don't have enough material since they can't report on the ground. And the Sahelian Strip has security issues, so with the lockdown they can't do quality reporting because they can't really move around. This, of course, was a difficult adaptation to already tough circumstances. In Zimbabwe, Nigel Magamu is founder and CEO of 263 Chat, which is an online publication and publisher of a daily WhatsApp newspaper. Cash flow is, is, is king or queen, you know, and so you're trying to uh, run a business in these difficult times. Fortunately for us, everything we do is online, so we don't have a physical copy with our uh, e-paper, which is sent via WhatsApp. So we are online only, and uh, obviously that presents uh, us with with opportunities, but uh, at the same time, we're not spared from, from the challenges of, of, of COVID. Keeping the cash flowing despite decreased advertising revenue during the pandemic, has been difficult for Nigel. Not only must he pay running costs and staff, there's taxes to be paid. And the economic environment of Zimbabwe makes this even more tricky. We are living in an inflationary environment, uh, and I've lost count of what the the inflation rate is. It's over a thousand percent. So you want to invoice in uh, local currency and by the time you receive the money in, in a couple of weeks time, or even a month's time, it's lost value. So we've had to revert back to the US dollar. So we base our, our, our rates on US dollars uh, using the black market rate of the day. So all of a sudden, we're now bringing in a bit of economics, you know, every single time you invoice. And what's the rate today? You know, you you, you got to email or, or research or understand what's going on, you know, and when you send a quote, you know, it's it's valid for a week. This means Nigel is adapting quickly. As soon as cash comes in, it needs to get spent before it loses its value. Because we are living in a hyperinflation environment, as soon as payment hits the bank account, you, you spend it because the amount loses value each day sitting in your bank account. So uh, as soon as you receive money, you send it out, you know, you, I'm, I'm either paying rent, I'm paying salaries, I'm paying allowances, I'm paying, you know, the tax man, any bills that I've, I've gotten, obviously, you know, bills are piling up. While the pandemic is tough, no doubt, on newsrooms like 263 Chat, it has also made them look at new revenue streams more seriously. For instance, they are looking at a new project that will distribute their news via SMS as a paid service. Nigel adds that he is more committed than ever to hunting for funders. Longer hours, looking at different proposals for funding and you know different things that I probably wasn't really looking at before. There have been some lifelines put out to media organizations during the last few months in the form of grants made available just for the pandemic. They may be in the form of supporting struggling newsrooms generally 
or a particular kind of reporting on COVID-19. A few of the people you've already heard from tried to access them. Simon Allison is the Africa editor at the Mail and Guardian in South Africa, and he says that while this avenue is possible, it's tough. There is a lot of COVID-specific funding out there, and we have benefited from some of it. The difficulty is that all media houses are in the same boat, and you know that means there's a lot of competition. Also, we as journalists, we are so overrun with just trying to do the news that finding the time to fill in long applications and lots of due diligence and grant reporting, etc., becomes very onerous. And there's a sort of cost-benefit analysis where you wonder, you know, for a grant to be really useful, it needs to be of a certain size. Um, otherwise, the, the effort that goes into getting it may not be worth the sacrifice. So that is something we are juggling and trying to weigh up. Simon and the Mail and Guardian team started seeing a particular problem during the pandemic. If you listen to our previous episode on fact-checking, you'll know all about this. Our newsroom was faced with a whole range of challenges as a result of the pandemic. One of them in particular that stood out for us was the sheer volume of fake news attached to anything about COVID-19. And as journalists, we had friends and family members coming to us saying, oh, you know, I heard that steam inhalation can cure COVID, or I heard that drinking this herbal tonic can cure COVID. And, you know, is it true? They kept asking us. And when we interrogated a little bit further, we asked them where they were getting this information from. And every time the answer was the same, it was WhatsApp. And we realized that WhatsApp for many people, has become the primary means of receiving and disseminating news and information. And that as a media house, we were not present on this platform. This problem opened up an opportunity. So we decided to do something about it. And um, myself and Sipo Kings, who is now the acting editor of The Mail and Guardian, we came up with this idea for a WhatsApp-based newspaper. They were inspired by other successful mobile newspapers like 263 Chat in Zimbabwe, which you heard from earlier. Simon and the team created The Continent, a WhatsApp PDF newspaper that was challenging them to create content in a completely new way. Our experience of launching a new publication in the middle of a pandemic has been overwhelmingly positive, actually. The reception to The Continent has really blown us away. People have welcomed the new format and participated in it by sharing the publication far and wide. Journalists and analysts have written to us in their hundreds asking if they can write for the continent. They really want to be involved and that's been fantastic. And it really has underlined to us that there is enormous demand for high quality, well-produced, beautifully presented news. And if we can keep that up, then I really think that we have something that will have a, a long and sustainable future. For Simon, the pandemic has allowed for innovation, even though he admits the process has been tough. Speaking for myself and the team, the experience has been exhausting. We have not slept very much. We um, have put a lot of, of blood, sweat and tears into this thing and... Fortunately, we don't have much else to do because, of course, South Africa and many other countries around the world are in lockdown. So this is a good time to do something that requires you to give it your all. So 
yeah, anyone else looking to do the same, I would uh, highly recommend it. The continent isn't currently bringing in revenue, but they are exploring different options. And let's be clear, this isn't the only team that is bold enough to try something new during this turbulent time. My name is Asham Wilu. I'm a journalist uh, based in Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm currently the founder and editor at large of debunk.media, which is a new digital media platform in Kenya seeking to just use data and storytelling to make sense of issues that affect young people in Kenya and across Africa. Asha launched Debunk Media in July 2020. Like I said, bold. I think everyone thought that we were really crazy to be launching a news organization right now during COVID-19 and not just during the pandemic, at a time when media organizations are laying off, they're cutting staff, they're cutting their spending on news gathering. Very many people thought that it was crazy to launch a, a media startup. And people are asking us, what is the business model? How are you going to make money? I think, yes, the money question is a big challenge for us. How do we sustain our news gathering? While the risk was big, Asha thought it wasn't just worth it. It was actually really important to do right now. It's crucial now more than ever. Now when people need information, now when people need in-depth reporting, when people need contextualization of their news, it's more important for organizations like ourselves to exist and to sort of like complement what mainstream media houses are, are, are giving their audiences. So the main challenge, yes, has been the money question. The answer to that question for Asha has been around a belief that strong media organizations are just needed right now. And the solution that I'm finding is that staying true to the content perhaps might be the solution at the moment. Staying true to the values of your organization, the values of why you're running an independent media house is more crucial now than before. Because I think when you do that, the audiences see right through the content that you're producing. And I think that also opens up opportunities. I have noticed that there are people who, especially the donor funding world, who are keen to support independent journalism, to support a different voice, to support people who are serving their communities. Beyond looking for revenue that connects with the quality of her work, Asha believes this is a time for collaboration and innovation. For now, because we don't know the, what the end of the pandemic is, that I think is where the opportunity lies in collaboration, in finding new spaces, in finding new ways to sustain content creation, and generally in finding ways to just make sure that even as you're trying to keep the business running, that the people that you're working with are still, you know, very important and a priority should be placed to keeping them safe. While the COVID-19 pandemic is a very tough financial time for media houses, new and old, small and big, there is also the sense of it opening up a chance to innovate, to try new things. Here is Ivan Okuda, journalist from Uganda, again. And so in terms of solutions and, and new opportunities, I think that that is going to have to happen honest and bold conversations across the industry that speak to trends such as collaborative journalism efforts. The opportunity that I see with COVID-19 is as journalists, we struggle to find our relevance and media houses struggle to find their relevance in the hearts and minds of Ugandans. There is going to be more emphasis on content, content and content. In other words, better content. 
You have been listening to the African Media Thermometer. This has been the second of four podcasts from Cast Media Africa about how journalism is adapting to the COVID-19 crisis. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the quality and accessibility of journalism during COVID-19. And we'll hear more about how these kinds of stories are made. Cast Media Africa supports journalists and media organizations just like the ones you've heard in this podcast. You can find more information at our website, www.cast.de slash mediaafrica. That's www.cast.de slash mediaafrica. And interact with our Twitter handle, at Cast Media. My name is Paul McNally. Our producer is Elna Schutz. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. Volume.